With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom. Simply visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate to make a difference today. You're listening to Politics Explained. Back to basics in the political sandpit with Rodney Hyde and Tane Webster. You're on Rally Check Radio, Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Oh my goodness, Politics Explained with Tane Webster. Hard to believe, but this is the first one of the year. And it's been a long time, Tane. Yeah, it has been. So, I mean, we could we, we could have done one last week, but I think you, you had enough other oh, content, it was, So We're getting... We're getting into the groove again, and we're um, um, yeah, I tell you go what's been that. troubling. I tell you what's been troubling me before you ask me a question. Yeah, this government. Yeah, that's election. that's what we're going to talk about. Or the first, oh, the first wow. half. We're going to go. Yeah, what 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 are your thoughts on 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 how the prime minister is going? I mean, specifically Chris Luxon, but it's if you terrible. want to talk about the government, it's generally. terrible. It's terrible. I hate to do this to myself, and I hate it to could, do it to listeners. I don't think it's that bad, Rodney. It's okay. terrible. And I was always thinking it would be so, and I can't tell you how overjoyed I was to see the coalition agreements. And like I said, I you know hung them up in my bedroom and cuddled them every night. I was just so overjoyed for New Zealand because I think, yes, we've got a shift We've got a change of direction. It's seismic, and we're going off into a better place. And I expected the coalition agreement to be the sort of first part of that. And it seems to me now it was the high watermark, and now it's just Christopher Luxon and Nicola Willis. And here is how I would describe them. Look, they're great people, and they're great politicians. And that'd be perfect if it was, I don't know, 1990, 2008. But it's not. There's so much. New Zealand has gone so far off the rails, to me, where I'm looking at it, in every sphere. It's sort of like cleaning out the Audrian stables. It is rotten. And I look at them. And I feel as though it's just steady as she goes. Change a wee bit at the margin to show we're not Labour, but carry on. The lines in the sand that have been drawn, to me, are little performative signals. And I haven't involved myself in this, but the idea that they need to have a public consultation on the terms of reference, on the COVID inquiry, shows you how bereft they are. Mm. Because if you were genuine, you'd hit the deck running with the terms of reference. And all you need is a clause and any other thing that takes the attention of the commission. You'd fight the existing commissioners would have been fired and a new group would be brought in. But here we are now, heading into March. Oh, we'll consult with the public. Oh, my goodness. And then Luxon, 
and this is the bit that drove me to despair. He turns up to the big gay art. Is that what it's called? Yeah. And gets heckled and booed, and that's a story. And you're thinking, why? Why on earth ever would he do that? It was, it was National Anti Act, I think. Yes. And, and the other parties on the. Yes. And funnily enough, Act can go along because, unlike me, they're into that stuff. Right, but he, but Luxing doesn't realise that this isn't a thing about supporting people who have a different sexual preference, which I I support. You can do what you like, knock yourself out. This has become a thing now about men being women and teaching our kids that they could be a girl, not a boy, and having boys in girls' sports and changing rooms. This is a hugely extremist fringe position that he's aligned himself with. Mm. Happily so. And he'd go back. And I'm thinking, doesn't he understand what's at stake and what's happening in our schools? Then I see him say, "Oh, yeah, we're going. To, we're not going to support David Seymour's treaty principles bill. We're just going to agree to put it into a select committee." Well, doesn't he care? Does he agree? Does he agree that the treaty means co-governance? Yes or no? Because you're excited because they say, oh, we're going to not have co-governance in water. But he's not happy. He seems happy with the current, the principles of the treaty or whatever we decide, whatever the latest extremist Maori activist decides they are. Right? That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's not leadership. That's just drift. So what's going to happen is New Zealand's been put to me in this terrific spiral by the Arden Robertson government across every front, particularly cultural and family. And Luxon's going to come along and he's going to just drift along and ride it. And then he can say, oh, I was um, prime minister. Big job. I did it. And oh, I did a couple of things. But where's the hero? come to save us, right? And there isn't one. There's no prospect of one. And um, I got this way because I love listening to a podcast by Victor Davis Hanson, who's an extraordinarily um, encyclopedic man, particularly on military history and the classics. And I can't believe what he gets done in a day because he runs a farm and he's an extraordinary guy. He's he's in his 70s now. But he just he loves Westerns. And he sees Westerns as copying the Greek plays, Greek stories. And he describes how you have in a classic Western, 
you have the gunslinger, the man with a bad past, a tortured past, right into this town. And the town's gone rotten because the bandits are, got all the people terrified. And the sheriff is terrified. He's just a nice guy, the sheriff. But he's not a gunslinger. And his gunslingers are running the town. And everyone's terrified. And the stranger rides into town, Shane, let's call him, or the man with no name in the power rider. He rides into town. And he's scary and he's different and he's a loner. And he shoots all the bad guys, cleans the town up, and rides off because he can't live in a decent society. He's not a nice person because he's a killer and he's prepared to kill without mercy. And he says, that's what sometimes you feel as though you need. And he described Trump in those terms, not as a normal politician, not as a politician you'd particularly like if you were in um, a society that was functioning. But what happens when you're in a society that is no longer functioning? That's rotten to it. The politics is rotten, as we're seeing in America and as we're seeing here in New Zealand. You're actually looking for that gunslinger to ride into town. He's not a person you like or want to be around. He's not a person you want to call dad or your neighbour. But every now and you need them. And um, that's how I feel. You, you need some kamikaze sort of guy or girl to come in and just say, that department's gone. That's not even a question. This is the COVID inquiry. It's not a question. The COVID inquiry you could write on the back of an envelope in five minutes. Not a big, hard thing. The treaty principles, you just say, no, this is a recipe for surrendering our democracy and our parliament to a bunch of activists. We're not having it. Bang. Ministry of Women's Affairs, it's gone off the rails. It's gone, dead. You, you, can't, you can't have this um, talking, this uh, transgender thing in any government and, and, and shutting people down. Free speech, that's it. No department will be censoring its own staff. Not allowed. These basic principles, they'd all be done in the first week if you had that Greek or Western hero ride into town. And to their opponents that stood up to fight them, they'd just shoot them down without mercy. Of course, not literally. But Lux and One thing that, what you're saying kind of reminds me of is uh, have you heard have you heard Dewa, one of our new new hosts? Yes. He's doing a summer series. Yes. Yeah, he, he mentioned great. something. Yeah, he mentioned something when he was talking with Paul. I think he said, you know, uh, not just in New Zealand but overseas and other Western countries as well. You have the centre right. They are, you know, they're sometimes in power, but they never wield the power. Like no. they, they they don't actually. No. And it's because I think people on that side of politics. Part of it is that they want to be left alone, so they're not like assertive people. And then the things that need to get done don't always get done. And and so it is kind of up to us to help push them over the line, help encourage them and pressure them. Yes, to it is. It is. And and um, it's extremely important that that we do this because you feel as though. Well, I don't feel as though. I know now. There's a there has developed with MMP and with the modern world. 
and the shocking media, there has developed a beltway of a power elite that politically run the country. Of course, they don't really run the country because they don't produce anything. It's truck drivers and farmers and shopkeepers and business people and manufacturers and fathers and mothers and sons and daughters who run the country. But you have this political group and grouping, the iwi bosses, the do-gooding organisations that have, have an elite, and they all know each other. And they all talk to each other. And the journalists are in amongst it, feeding away. And they decide everything. And you see it with the interchangeability of their roles, jumping between that job and that job and this job and that job. And they're disconnected utterly from us, an MMP and the rise of the list MP and the importance of party leader versus FPP where an MP, every MP, he or she had to return to their electorate and confront the farmer, confront the shopkeeper, confront the manufacturer, confront the mother, confront the dad and be held to account by them doesn't happen now. Likewise with our media. Our media was in every little town and was writing about community stories and had to confront us. Not anymore. And so there's this huge yawning distance. So much so that governments around the world and here in New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, had to take control of the internet and shut citizens down simply for disagreeing with them. That's extraordinary, right? Because not only are they, they knew about our dissent, but they shut it down and were prepared to use violence to do so. So, that's why when I reflect on it over the break, I'm so bitterly disappointed because what's changed? But, I mean, I don't know if I'm not prepared with a full list of achievements, but there have been some, like they reversed the English language on the departments for, for I think, for Health New Zealand, was it? That You know, they've, they've, they've done a few things like that. They abolished the Maori Health Authority. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a few other things. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, and good on them. But, like, that is a bit at the margin. Yeah, it's like basic stuff we expected, so. Yeah, and but, I mean, we still get all our letters from government departments that are written with English interspersed with Maori. Yeah. Right? Like, no, they, like, those, government those government departments aren't going to change. None of those government departments are scared of Luxon. Now, uh, you know, and I mean this genuinely. Um, those chief executives are going to just wait it out. None of them have been fired. None of them have been put on notice. Um, and we knew, 
going back a long time, the government departments were scared of Muldoon. And we all thought it was a bad thing. But actually, given how our government departments are being run and what they're doing to the people of New Zealand, they should be bloody scared of a prime minister coming in, given the feeling of the electorate. Well, given the feeling of me. <laughs> Maybe I can't speak for the electorate, but right, I can speak for this audience. Right, we, we are angry beyond belief right we feel as though this isn't our country it's not it's not it's not where we we live we fear for our children and oh yes luxon said that the he's collapsed some maori health authority and he's reversed three waters has he said co-governance and partnership are no longer a thing no has he said that legislatively we're going to end this as a thing because it's not in the treaty, Maori or English. No. In fact, he specifically said he's going to keep it a thing. Um, has he said, boys are boys, girls are girls? Yes, there's some med medical oddities. And, you know, when you're an adult, you might find that you prefer someone of your own sex. But we're not going to talk about it with kids. Because they're boys and girls with enough to handle. Has he said that? No. So I am, I guess that's too why I like the show, because we talk about it with having people who are dissenters on, but also we talk about real things like gardening. And that's why I love, you know, Voices for Freedom and Rally Check Radio, because it doesn't drone on about this stuff, which we aren't going to be rescued from above. We're going to have to rescue ourselves and our children and our grandchildren. We're going to have to protect them from this poor thinking that is aboard and that is doing such a lot of damage. And you can witness it constantly when you see young people switched into their mobile phones. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, what's that content telling them? What's that teaching them? Mm. So, and of course, that was the other topic you suggested to me, a bit of history. Yeah, so we thought we'd kind of have a, a wee sort of sub-series within Politics Explained where we could talk about New Zealand political parliamentary history uh, because it's something that I would like to learn more about and I know that there's listeners out there who'd like to learn more about it as well. We have touched on these things in the past and we did get good, um, you know, good, good feedback from them. So, yeah, today I thought I could ask you about uh, the New Zealand Party uh, how it came to be and it pretty ended pretty quickly, but it it was successful while it while it uh, well it had it, 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 the the New Zealand Party was a creation of Sir Bob Jones, who's still with us. Yep. he's a rencontreur, a very successful property uh, owner and investor, and successful his entire life at it. His brother's Lloyd Jones, the author, so a very talented family. And he was a great supporter of Sir Robert Muldoon's. And then Sir Robert Muldoon, with the economic pressures of oil prices and falling commodity prices and whatnot, he got the economy completely off track. And he was a very successful politician, a very powerful politician, and he ran his cabinet 
he ran his party and he ran parliament. And so he was the single source of power in the system. And he relied on common sense. And that's a very bad guide when it comes to economics. Uh, because you look at things and you think, oh, I know how we could stop inflation. We'll just fix prices. But of course, if you're still printing money madly, you, you're all you're doing is devaluing everyone's wages and 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 prices and incomes. You're going to wreck the economy because you're not dealing with the cause. You're only dealing with the symptom. So he ran New Zealand economically into the ground. And with price controls, wage controls, interest controls, import licensing, couldn't take money overseas, what you could buy was decided by parliament, what you could sell was decided by parliament. It was extraordinary. And it was David Longy, who was great at quips, said it was like a New Zealand economy was run like a Polish shipyard, which back then, of course, was, a, was you know, communist. And... Bob Jones fell out of bed with it. Everyone did. Everyone that was thinking about the direction of New Zealand fell out of bed with it. And so the New Zealand Party was born to contest the 1984 election as Bob Jones's leader. And it was very exciting because it, you know, caught up with a whole new way of thinking and it really introduced New Zealanders to free market thinking because Bob Jones is a libertarian. And the libertarian debate was had heading into that election. They got 12% in the election because people could safely vote for the New Zealand Party as a protest against National without having to vote Labour because the people that were protesting against National were by and large uh, Labor, uh, National voters, but they didn't want to vote Labour because tribally they couldn't. And so National lost the 1984 election and Labour swept to power. But they were presented with a total economic catastrophe. This is where you have that Shane Jones sort of, the Shane, not Shane Jones, that Shane, the cowboy, riding into town to fix things. Um, because every bit of policy that Labour could think about economically in terms of controlling the economy, Sir Robert Muldoon had already done. And the country was hemorrhaging and dying on its feet. People couldn't see it. Not everyone could see it. But something had to give. And the government of the new government had no options. Literally, they, it was like out of money. And so Rogernomics was born because the Treasury for years and years had been beavering away on what we could do to save New Zealand. And within Roger Douglas, they found a Minister of Finance who's prepared to champion good ideas, and their ideas were good. And they were prepared to do things for the good of the country and cause unimagined pain because we had to write all the decisions for years and years and years, right through the post-war period, that had protected us from the pain of the real world. And all that pain was encapsulated at that moment. And it was the burden of the pain was directed at the new government, of course. 
But of course, the real cause of that pain was previous governments who had run up the debt, who'd made the bad policies that now needed to be corrected. Subsidies, farmers were being heavily subsidized just to farm, 50% of their income, oftentimes. Mm. Those subsidies were removed overnight. Can you imagine it? Farmers went to the wall. Banks worked with them to try and protect many of them. Business, whole entire businesses closed, industries closed as New Zealand had to reorientate itself. And the interesting thing is that if that government had hesitated and you thought there was a way through without having to endure that pain, the pain would have continued. But literally the government didn't blink for four or five years and it held the line and people said, these guys are real. Farmers went to complain to the, to Roger Douglas about the removal of subsidies. And Roger Douglas sent Richard Peel to talk to them. And he he literally, Owen Jennings was at the meeting, it was Peter Alworthy and Owen, Owen, Owen Jennings. And they went to see him on the budget night to complain about the subsidies removal and farmers not being able to survive. And Richard Peel famously jumped on the desk. <laughs> jumped on his desk and told them that they could all get, you know, a naughty word, because they'd never supported Labour. They'd robbed the taxpayer blind. They should be farmers and proper people, and their subsidies weren't coming back. And so Peter Alworthy, who was very pat a patrician and like Christ College type guy, walks out and turns down and says, hmm, I think the government's mind's made up on this one. <laughs> and so there was that period, and the New Zealand economy was wrenched. And then over time, Mums and dads, manufacturers, farmers, shopkeepers reorientated the economy to the new reality, which was reality, not a cosseted reality of communism or socialism or a protected economy. And we dug our way out. And we had a glorious period of coming right. But before we could come right, of course, politicians get back in power and have, again, driven up debt made bad decisions, and put us back to this place. And so I guess in my mind, I was looking for a prime minister, not of the 90s or 2000s, who says, look, we're on track, steady as she goes. I was looking for a prime minister to say, no, where we're at is not acceptable and we're changing. Not happening. So there you go. That's my view. And the New Zealand party was significant because the debate had been had before the 1984 election and people who had voted Labour to deliver socialism actually got the New Zealand Party's policies. It's crazy, right? That was crazy. And of course, that's why we had to have MMP and um, because people felt betrayed. But that was the history of the New Zealand Party. It had a dramatic impact on New Zealand politics without ever putting an MP in place which is why I support yeah. third parties. And it was rounded up and dissolved in um, 1993. So it's it only in existence for just under 10 years. Yes, but to be fair, once Bob Jones left, it was gone. And so right. it sort of survived on with some of some party organisers. But Bob Jones lost the election and famously went fishing. And he was up 
happily fishing on a river. And Rod Vaughan from TVNZ, when TVNZ had money, hired a helicopter. Oh, yeah, I've seen this, yeah. <laughs> to hire, to go and interview Bob Jones. And uh, he came stalking up and scared all of Bob Jones's fish and disturbed his fishing. And Bob Jones chased him and boxed him in the nose and broke it. <laughs> you wouldn't see that now. And it played on TV news that night. Bob Jones, they caught it on camera, hitting him, and Rod Vaughan doing a piece to camera with a broken nose and blood everywhere and saying he hit me. And it's one of those great things about New Zealanders. Most New Zealanders out in the country said, yeah, of course he did. <laughs> but at that moment, Bob Jones had basically left New Zealand politics. Because, you know, it's... Um, not the done thing. My, my, Sir Robert Muldoon used to hit protesters. He would he would have a fight. He famously would fight. He had, if someone had a crack at him, he'd crack them back. These were these were different times. Um, so that was the New Zealand Party. So at that point, and it was all Bob Jones. And so when Bob Jones did that, and then basically left the party, it was a gone. That was over. So there's a bit of history, um, but I'm sort of looking for that change now, you know, with the COVID inquiry. They had a famous opening of the books where all the bad information about New Zealand's economic performance was hidden from New Zealanders, and they opened the books. Well, wouldn't you have an opening of the books on COVID? Just an mm. opening of the data. Uh, we literally have Barry Young leaking stuff and getting punished for leaking it. A new government should be saying, knock your socks out. We'll get all the data out to public scrutiny. We'll get all the emails, all the discussions of officials around the lockdowns and the mandates. We'll put it all out in the public. Let's see it. Let's have some transparency and accountability. Because it wasn't his government that did this. And he can honestly say, I was in opposition and just was fed nonsense, like the rest of you. No opening of the books on COVID. That, to me, is unbelievable. No opening of the books that would allow us to assess the proper efficacy and safety of the vaccine. You don't, no, you don't need an inquiry to open the books. You just open them. Everything should be made. Luxon could say today, Everything is going to be put out there. We will anonymize things so that people can't can't get private details, but it'll be all available for around the world for researchers to look at the New Zealand data. It shouldn't be left to Barry Young to leak it and then be punished. Why hasn't John Luxon and the National Party, New Zealand First in the Act, opened the books on COVID? Well, I mean, I guess the, one of the obvious things is that two of those parties were part of the whole um, parliament at the time. Yeah, but they can easily get around that. The politicians, if you know, there's, there's a great line that Richard Pebble had: "If you can't ride two horses at once, you've got no, you shouldn't be in politics. It's sort of like a circus trick. You've got to be able to sort of change horse." And they've got to say, <laughs> they've got to say. 
Um, we were misled like the rest of New Zealand. Let's open the box. You're sounding yeah. like an apologist for the government, Tane. No, obviously I'm not. I'm just uh, no. I mean, I mean, I was meaning like it's the obvious reason why they why they would be uh, afraid to go there because it it um, exposes their failure. But you know, I, I agree with what you're saying that they can try to do their little ride two horses trick and say, "Oh no, but we we were misled too." Yeah, well, they was... were privy. They were privy to the data and the information, and of course, it's so many years on now. It's in hindsight. And um, but they they weren't decision makers back then. They weren't the government. Um, and so why? I mean, I tell you why they're not doing it because they're part of the inside power structure in New Zealand, and they don't want citizens empowered. This suits them. It suits them. Um, so they'll make little adjustments to keep the you know, it's like that the peasants happy, but they won't they won't fundamentally change the system. They won't fundamentally open it up. Why? Because if they had an if they had transparency, there'd be an accountability, and citizens would be empowered. And at the moment, they want they've got the power. They're not about to relinquish it, and the power resides in the secrecy and this lack of transparency. Oh my goodness, it's terrible when you think of it. A change of government, terrible time we've been through. Open the box. Let's see mm. it all. Let's see all of the emails. My goodness, imagine it. Let's see the Pfizer contract. Why wouldn't they? What's what what's to be gained by keeping that secret? Or they can say, oh well, it'll affect their affect our reputation. Well, it would affect their reputation because you'd be a you'd be a government that was putting your citizens first and allowing them to see what's going on. But we're not, we're not privy to it. Like, I feel bitterly disappointed, don't I? And that's not going to get, because it that's not going to happen now because it hasn't happened. You know, the time to do that was in December. Yeah, the longer you've left it, the the, the, the there the, you go. I've had a bit of a rant about my disappointment in Luxon that spilled over to New Zealand New Zealand Party and into the uh, eco economics of the nineteen eighties because I feel we're at a similar juncture when you need actually some clear principles to, to guide a government, and we need that openness and transparency. So that's where we are, Tane. I'm sorry to bounce off you and get so um, distraught. But as I started to articulate my thoughts, I got upset because I'd previously just been thinking it. Uh, and then <laughs> I heard myself, I thought, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And I where's the justice for the vaccine injured? Yeah. It's, it's, not, hard. it's not hard. There we go. That was, uh, thank you, Tane. That was Politics Explained. I don't know how much we explained, but we had a good old rent and poor Tane was um, standing in for Chris Luxon. Um, no, don't say that. <laughs> I'm just trying to, like, I, I just no. trying to, I know that people can feel that too much doom and gloom. So, like, you know. Yeah, no, no, I'm not doom and gloom. I'm just reality. And that's why we have to be positive about our own lives and our own community because we're not going to be rescued. We're yes, like exactly. that. We're like lost in space. 
and we're on a strange planet and we have to look after ourselves because um, we're not about to be rescued by this crowd. They're just continuing the same. Tane, that was great. You're on Rally Check Radio. Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Oh, I apologize if I was too gloomy. I wasn't meaning to do that. I was just trying to be realistic and say we've got to look to ourselves, which is what yeah. Rally Check Radio was all about. And Tane yeah. Webster in particular, because he's got me gardening along with Wally. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate.